So, Tone, it's time to talk about our big show in April. Uh, first, I want to give a big thanks to Schedulicity and to Cosmoprof Beauty for, for uh, sponsoring the show. Um, yeah, in Maryland, April 7th and 8th. That's right. So uh, we're actually doing a show and classes, and we have the amazing Presley Poe and her friends. So tell us about her friends. Oh, we have Blushing May, Sarah Jane Maples. Who, who just, just won an aha. She sure did. We got Updo Guru, Casey Powell, for uh, those amazing Bobby Penn sculptures. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And from uh, Project Runway, we have Jackie and Lynn coming in, and they're going to um, show some uh, editorial work on the stage. And, 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 Lynn does the, and Lynn does the quickest updos in the world, so he's going to teach some of that as well. But then tell them what's happening right before the show. Uh, right before the show and right after the show, we have Johnny Cash, Livingston, doing some tattoo barbering brother yeah and he's open for questions and stuff too so you know if you have any questions while you watch him work yes sir up close and personal also uh another big thanks to uh to cosmoprof for sponsoring the uh shadow presley poe and we're gonna have the winner there yep miss stephanie dot p dot hair yeah so uh you'll get a chance to meet her as well and a big shout out to our boy ben mullen ben mullen yeah is going to MC the whole event can't wait to hear him so, again, all information will be available at PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. Check it out. Check out the classes, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I sit with my bud. Tom, what's up, man? What's going on, bud? Another one? Get another one in? Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, you know, before, you know, I want to wake up with this guy. <laughs> Know, talking right? to my ear every morning i know motivational right yeah mm-hmm. uh you know he, he just he's, he's able to get you to see things in a different way and really help you kind of like organize your your career in a way to take it where you want it to go and actually what we're talking about today i think is uh is is taking it all the way to the end you know i, I know daniel mason on our podcast said that um you know hairdressers don't retire and and, and today i think we're going to um we're going to talk a little bit about that um our guest today is Gavin Salisbury, and he's again with Summit. Um, Summit, he'll he'll he'll, he'll give a whole business center. Salon business center. That's it. So uh, so Gavin's with us again today. He's done a couple other podcasts with us, and he's just a wealth of information. And today we're going to talk about exit strategies, and it's not anything. I don't think I've ever heard the conversation in our industry. I don't know? think I ever thought about that as a hairdresser. Me either. So um so I think we're gonna um. I think we're going to talk a little bit about like uh, stylist exit strategies and, and what that looks like and, and even what that means. And, yeah. yeah. So exactly. I think we're going to hit, you know, exit strategies, strategies for all of us. Perfect. Let's get in, man. So Mr. Gavin Salisbury, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, Corey. Hey, Tony. What's, What's going up, on, bud? How you been? Good. Good. Amped up. Excited. Excited because it takes two to tango in order to make an exit strategy strategy work. You need somebody who owns the business and you need future potential owners, shareholders. So it, you, it can't come together without the stylist and who and whoever the owner of that company right. might so be. So just real quick, like define what an exit strategy would look like for our, um, you know, for the industry. Yeah. So 
there's more than one exit strategy. So if I define it just in two different ways, one would be is I'm, um, I need to, I'm selling my business. I need to get out of my business. I'm exiting. And there can be many ways. I mean, an exit strategy could be selling it tomorrow, all outright to a third party that you have no idea who it is. Um, it could be a investor. It could be another salon company. It could be just, you know, one of the top clients in the salon. But there's, from that standpoint, there's just more of a, an immediate type of exit strategy. Um, the other way, and what I think we'll spend more time on today is, how do you exit over time? How do you pass on um, a company to not just a third party, but to people who are hustling inside of the company? That's really what we're more about. Um, anybody can probably go find a broker, get an evaluation, put their salon on the market, and and honestly not get what it's quite worth. Um, or there's very few that have the know-how or the vision to, to pass it on to the people who, who are hustling, who more than likely help build it. And um, that to me might be two yin and yangs of what an exit strategy can be about. As, as, as a salon owner, when uh, I know like in your business plan, they always say, you know, uh, have an exit strategy, but you know, not, nev- not everybody necessarily takes that uh, advice, but when should a salon owner start, I guess, focusing or, you know, writing out their exit strategy? Uh, You know, I think, I wish I could say this for everybody, but I think the day that you open your doors, you should already have a pretty good idea of how you're going to exit one day. There'll be undefined things. There'll be like, who, who would I sell it to? The day you open it, you might not know that. Um, You probably aren't going to know what the value of it is the day you open. And you might not know how, timing of it. I mean, you might have a range. It might be 20 years, 10 years, 30 years, who knows. But I think, you know, those things, as time reveals itself, you'll start to understand um, more about that. But you should still have the concept. So like me personally, if I put my salon hat on, salon owner hat on, then I knew the day we signed a lease, A, I'm not going to live forever. My wife's not going to live forever. We want to pass it on. We want, we want it to be there after we're dead and gone. That's just, a, to me, the definition of leaving a legacy. And I want to leave it in a better place than I, than I acquired it. And that's just, to me, what the success of an exit strategy should be about. So I already had an idea. That's how I want to do it. And I want to pass it on to my key stakeholders, my employees that have really helped develop and build the organization. So I think you need to know from the day that you begin, you got to have some kind of rationale of what would this look like over time. So you, you keep bringing up like stakeholders. So are you giving, like when you're setting up your salon, are you giving, um, I don't know, percentages of the, uh, of the business or, or are you giving like quote unquote stocks to, uh, to, to your employees? Yeah. So it depends on if you have a LLC then you're selling memberships. And if you have a S corporation, then you're selling stock. So in essence, it's still the same, it's the same, same. It's getting into some legal stuff that just um, how companies are organized. But so yes, you're going to sell either memberships or stock to key employees. 
Um, I got to see it in my life. If we go back and just, you know, I got to live it. I've lived it. Th I've lived it actually three ways. I've lived it watching my family do it. My dad owned six children's clothing stores when I was growing up throughout the state of Indiana. My mom owned a little hair salon. And in 1983, if you would have asked everybody at the country club that my dad played golf at, who would have more money in retirement, they would have said, hands down, my dad would have. But here's what happened. My dad chose to just kind of own it him, himself outright for his whole life. He never brought on partners. He never empowered people. He never gave a piece of the pie to those that, are, that were helping grow the, the brand and company. So that was his path. And truly, he didn't know that there was a different way. No one had came in and taught him elsewise. But my mother, on the other hand, linked up with Randy Kunkel. And Randy just knew you're going to have to retire one day. Um, you've got some really great people. Why don't we pass it on to the next generation? So long story short, I got to watch like both parents. By the time my dad was done, he had one location and he literally just shut it down. Wow. He didn't even sell it. He just finally one the, the year end came. He had a big closeout sale and he was done. My mom is 73 or 74 years old. In that company, she can drive by it every day. It's been in business. It's moving in on 50 years now. And it's set to be in business for another, knock on wood, 50 years. So she passed it on. And she, the, the reward is so much greater, not only, you know, to be able to leave a legacy like that, but financially, she had something to sell where my dad just kind of dwindled um, the business down to really nothing. So I saw that. I also live it. I've, I'm a shareholder inside of the summit. So I also understand what it happens. If you want to get a company to be a really large company, you can't do it on your own. I mean, we even teach that. I read that in business books. One human being can effectively lead 10 people. So when you're starting to get into companies, and this is what I'm excited about from the business side of the uh, industry, is we're going to have a lot of consolidation as we move forward. Um, I don't think we're going to become like the hardware stores did. But when you look at the hardware stores back in the 70s and 80s, there were lots of them, family owned. Now that every town has like three or four, Lowe's, Home Depot, Menards, you know, like there's true value. There's like four or five restaurants. Look at restaurants. Restaurants, there used to be tons of family owned restaurants everywhere. And you still have family restaurants, but you have a lot of, you know, the chains all over the country. I think you're getting to that point in the beauty industry that having just one location is kind of like a small farmer trying to farm a plot of 400 acres and feed the whole family. It's getting more difficult to just be able to really use one location to kind of make, make rain, I guess, for everybody to, to be happy. So you're going to need more humans. We're going to need more hairstylists. We're going to need more associates. We're going to need more salon managers. We're also going to need more salon partners, shareholders. Um, so I got to see it from my own, my own being at Summit and how we've grown. And then I help salons. I probably have helped, I'd say, 12 or, 12 or 15 salons over the years. 
um, when they want to do it and they, they have key employees, I teach them how we can sell it back to their employees, build a bigger ownership foundation so that we can grow, expand, um, and really effectively lead. Well, let's get people. into that. So if I'm a salon owner and, and I want to, um, I want to sell it back, like what does my business have to look like so I can start selling shares back and I can like have an effective exit strategy at the end of my career? Yeah. So you want to have a profitable company, which is, you know, easier said than done, but you'd want to have a profitable company. You'd want to get an evaluation. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, to value companies, but at Summit, we offer that as a service will help you do an evaluation. Then once we have a price, a dollar amount, just like if you're gonna sell your home, you'd go and get an appraisal. We need to get the business appraised. Once we have the appraisal, now we need to look at who would be potential owners. Like if, if you owned the business, who would you be willing to go into business with? And um, sometimes that's easier said than done as well. Sometimes you've got two or three people and sometimes you maybe right now don't have anybody that you can really, you have that vision. But once you do have a couple of people that you think would be, um, they would make good partners. Maybe they're high level stylists. Maybe they bring a different skill set, a different knowledge base, um, different talent. Maybe they've always wanted to get more into management. Maybe they've always dreamed of owning their own salon. Maybe they've already been so bold to say, I don't want to be a hairstylist the rest of my life, but I don't want to leave the industry. What, what am I going to do? And that's real fears that um, people in our industry will have. If I've got a couple of people that kind of fit those different molds, then, and I've got a value to the company. Now it's a matter of me deciding who, who would be those two or three or whoever that would be. And then what percent do I want to sell them? If I'm, getting ready to exit, let's say in the next 10 years to totally sell out and be totally done, I'll probably offer um, enough shares over the next 10 years where I become 0% owner. You know, I'm going to sell out 100% of the company. But if I'm only 35 or 42 and I can see my runways a lot longer and I might stay in it for another 20, 25 years, I might start by just offering um, a smaller allotments, 5%, 10%, 15%. I might want to keep 51%. Um, Mr. Kunk always says that 49% of your company's dead equity, meaning there's no difference between owning 100% and 51%. You still get to make the final decision. But yet, you can unlock equity in the name of 49% of your business, could be sold to key employees so that you can help them achieve their dreams, their financial you know, future that they want to set up for themselves and help the company, the greater good of the company with having a greater ownership team versus just a single owner. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Like I kind of, I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure it out in my head, like how it would like, you know, how, how it would work. And then like, even if you're like 10, 10, even if your exit strategy is 10 years away, I mean, would you still hold on to your 51% for, you know, until the day you leave or, or how would that work? There's lots of different strategies. I'll, I'll give you one example. So if you did know that you're going to be, um, you want to stay involved in the operations for 10 more years and who knows, you might be behind the chair full time. You might be behind the chair three days, management two days, 
But if you know 10 years, you still see yourself hustling, you might sell a piece of your company over the next five years. So you might sell, let's say 30% of it over the next five years. But then when you get to year five, your buyers have paid off their, the, the, the ownership has been paid for. They've paid the 30% off. Now you still maintain or retain 70%. You might at year six, go ahead and sell off the remaining 70%. A lot of times that's sold to the original buyers. They get the first right of mm -hmm. refusal to buy what remaining shares are offered. That's pretty cool, man. You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's such a level that I think every every salon owner, uh, I guess, needs to take in consideration. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead of uh, just... just I, Dude, I'm I'm learning so much. I have so many things running in my head. I did. I, it looks all jumbled right now. You know, it's, <laughs> you gotta work it all. It looks out, like right? my paper that I'm writing on. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, there's so many questions. There's things that you know we've never, at least I've never, uh, really considered. You know, neither have I. I mean, like like we work for a company that I think their end game was to you know, sell 15 salons to a big uh, corporation, like, like, like Gavin was saying earlier, but, you know, just to kind of scale that down and like to sell it to their employees. Like I've never kind of even like thought that that was an option or, or, or how that strategy would work. You know, it's going to get more, it's more, it's important today, but this is where I get passionate. We're living longer than we've ever lived. And that's not going to, I don't think, I don't see that data turning backwards. I think we're going to keep aging so then you start to look at how long can the average stylist earn income behind the chair? What, what age would you guys like even, I don't even, I don't know the number, but what do you think? Realistically? I don't know, man. I mean, I've never, you know. Yeah, we're just, just, we're just rolling with it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I think probably start to scale back <laughs> in about 10 years. Yeah, like 60 or so, you know. Yeah. And so I think, you know, you look at 60, you don't see a lot of stylists beyond 60 behind the chair. They're there, but your numbers start to really dwindle, probably at 50, every decade after 50, then 60. And then, I mean, yes, I know you see them, their internet, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram sensations. When you see the 87-year-old in the barbershop or salon doing it. But here's why I bring that up. In truth, we're going to have to earn income longer than we've ever had to any previous generation because we're living longer. So then to me, this is where I have, it weighs on my heart that how are, how are we going to have income after 60? What are some new methods, some new ways? And this is where I think shareholding comes into play. When you have vision beyond the average, you can start to see that it might benefit the salon owner because if I have shareholders, I, I can share the responsibilities with people. I can share the profits with people. I can share the just daily operations with people. Um, and I'm not doing it alone. I mean, I don't know if, if you own a business long enough. I mean, I've owned businesses by myself and I've owned businesses with people and I do much better owning businesses with other people. Um, I don't like to be inside my head by myself too long. It's just, 
So I, I, we would rather teach at Summit like partnerships so that you can pass it on. You don't have to do it alone. And it goes back to that weird thing that one person can lead 10 people. When you have three partners, that company naturally has a greater likelihood of getting to 30 people or beyond and or multi locations. A lot of people just look at me like I have 10 heads when I say, have you ever considered expanding and having multiple locations? And they're like, do you understand how much stress I have right now? <laughs> having one? And um, I think that's just because they don't know that no one's ever taught them. We, we don't talk enough about this in the industry. And then the last thing is this. There's talented stylists, but there's talented humans. Just because you're a talented stylist, I think it's our failure as leaders to paint the picture for stylists that there is more than just being a stylist till you're 60. And I think that's up to us. I think we've got to start to have the, the bigger vision um, because for most salon owners, they're, they're developing hairstylists and that's great. And if you're in a suite, you're developing yourself. That's great. I'm in the business. We're at Summit in the business of developing future owners, future leaders, future buyers. And that's a whole nother platform, you know? And that's what I think is gonna take the industry on, on up to a whole different plane. Um, and that's what gets me just super excited about the exit strategy. It's a win-win for everybody. Dude, you know, you just had me, uh, to, I was feeling every word and believing every word. and. And that is so true. I mean, if, if it, as owners, you know, great, you're, you're focusing on building hairdressers, but if you can focus on, on building, you know, better leaders and future owners and, you know, instead of being, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I think a lot of salon owners are afraid to build future owners. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, take pride, take, take, you know, take accomplishments say, Hey, you know, I helped that individual to be this great owner, great leader in our wonderful industry. Dude, I did. I, you know, I, I can hear and feel the emotions coming out of your voice and it literally touched me. It, it was, that was well, that was <laughs> bravo, sir. Bravo. Well, you said it. We're fearful of it. Yeah. I've, I've sat more times, more than I can count on one hand where I'm sitting with a, a new stylist and I'm trying to get my head around what their personal and professional goals are. And I kid you not, there's been more than, I mean, I bet you it's two hands where a stylist will put, I want to be a salon owner one day. I want to open up my own locate my own salon. And they'll, when they share that and I'm sitting in an office and it's me, that stylist and the owner, they'll literally keep their head down and they'll, they'll say it but they're very fearful of saying it because it's like saying in front of your salon owner that you want to own a salon. That's like, I don't know who said it, but oftentimes it's like taboo. Right. And when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, baby, that's what I want to hear. I want to employ in a perfect world. A hundred percent of my stylists would all want to own their own salons one day. And we want to do it together. And we want to, lift the industry and have core values and a mission statement and really build a brand that um, I know there's some good salon brands out there, 
but we're still an industry of onesie brands, one location kind of brands. You get a team that really sees a different plane and, and it's going to serve the community. It's going to serve them in the long term financially. It helps the owner, again, pass on something that was their dream to others and help fulfill the, their employees' dreams. So it's, it's so cool when you do it. And there's, we've done it at Summit. I don't know the exact number, but I'm going to guess we're over two or 300 is, would be the ballpark that we've done what we're talking about with two or 300 salons in the That's country. That's awesome. Way to give back, sir. I know, right? All right, Mr. Gavin. I think this is our exit strategy here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gavin Salisbury, thank you again, once again, for, uh, for joining us on your day off. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. I'm grateful. It's been fun. And I look forward to coming back sometime. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Please to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease.